Hey, this is Steve Balton. You are here for People Have the Power with a really special and fun episode with a longtime friend and a true music icon, Perry Farrell. This week we talk with Perry about Lollapalooza, some of his history with that, as well as a great list of protest songs from everybody from Johnny Cash and Marvin Gaye to Rage Against the Machine. Hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did. Everything right now is much bigger than music, but music, of course, as always, plays a part. Well, man, what the world needs now is music and light. Light as in exposure. As in, you know, the way the great Frederick Douglass. You know, you know, Frederick Douglass was, I would say, one of the earliest Americans to utilize social media. You know, he had his picture taken hundreds and hundreds of times that was published and sent around. And the world, right now, the world has got the answer in the palm of its hand. And it is, it is the, its ability to spread message, shed light on things that are going on around the world. And you, you get to see that... Uh, the, the, the solvent is happening quicker and quicker because we're exposing it. We're exposing it. It doesn't get a chance to fester before it's too late. And that's what's wonderful about this moment. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing because, you know, the reality is, is as I said in, in something I did recently, you know, every great movement needs a soundtrack. That, that's, you know, always been the case whether it's right. Vietnam, whether it's the Civil War, whether it's civil rights, you know, there's always been freaking songs that are part of that. So tying it back into Lala for a second before we come on to your protest song, I mean, you know, look, there's something to be said for during this time having people be able to check out. And I mean, you have some bands that, you know, obviously get more political than others, but I mean, there's also just the escapism of watching Metallica and of watching, you know, Paul McCartney and of watching Arcade Fire, you know? And it's basically like, you know, in a sense, it kind of is, you know, the ultimate Lollapalooza. It's the Lollapalooza that if you could take every year, you know? Yeah. And put it well, together, you know? We can, we can afford to do that right now. This is the good side of things. So as I told you earlier, we were having struggles initially because everybody thought, well, how much am I going to get paid, to be honest with you? And when the answer was, no, we're doing this for the cause. We're doing this to organize. We're doing this also, you know, with people like Michelle Obama, getting the word out about her nonprofit, which is when we all vote. We're, we're getting our hands dirty trying to help the vulnerable to injustice through this equal justice initiative. And then lastly, we're working with, um, with the Arts of Illinois Relief Fund. And th these guys take care of, they support artists. They, they, um, yeah, they, they invest in art. And they invest in uh, the people that right now are suffering from the COVID pandemic, being off of work. People you wouldn't even think of, like 
the people that do backline, the people that build the stages, the lights. It's the people that construct the entertainment structure. And there's money going into that. I appreciate people even considering it. But, but, let's talk about the fun side of, the sweet side of life, man. We are, we are creatively keeping the music alive, torch of music. We're turning it into a campfire. And thinking about the past, reminiscing, and then we're going to deliver to you things you've never seen before. Well, and so, we're going to talk around the campfire. That's kind of how it feels. All right. And by the way, I didn't mean to, when I talked about the stuff that you're doing, I did not mean to slight the fact that, you know, Kind Heaven Orchestra is also performing. So you are getting to show all sides of Perry, which I like because it's a, a nice lead-in to the box set. But take me through just as a fan for a second. You know, I, I mean, I love this lineup and I love the fact that you got to play with Porno again. And well, yeah, we didn't really touch on that. How was it to play together after 25 years? Because it's funny. It's one of those things where it's like, you know, I've talked about this with so many artists over the years and you do something and it's like, you know, there's the old cliche about riding a bicycle. I mean, was it something that, you know, you don't know how it's going to be until you start doing it. Was the chemistry there immediately again? Yeah. There was no, there was, there was, it was as if I went to rehearsal yesterday and I'm going to go over to rehearsal today. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so yeah. do you see, it's funny, because that's one of the things I've talked about with artists too, is, you know, when you have so many changes during this time, how those will manifest going forward. So, I mean, you know, do you see porno doing more shows together in the future when, you know, this all is, you know, eventually, presumably it will end and we'll be able to actually go see live music again. So do you see porno doing more in the future? Yeah, I would love to bring porno there. There, um, I've got some big ideas, man. I don't know if they're appropriate to speak about right at this moment, but um, I I can see a world that it goes from great discussion, um, sharing prophecies and ideas, and and um, folklore and history, and then the music cranks up, and it cranks up a little more, and a little more, and a little more, until it reaches the crescendo of sound, and it's loud, and then it can go into the wee hours. That's, you know, that's a good day. I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a great day and it's, you know, and I, I think it's such a natural progression too, because I think, you know, as music becomes more socially conscious again, and people become more aware, there's such a, a natural tie in to have that discussion that goes with, you know, and I mean, it's been done for years, whether you look at a show like VH1 Storytellers, you know, whatever, but I mean, to actually involve real conversation and to, you know, I mean, you know, it's funny, like, uh, you know, I know Alanis and Liz Fair were supposed to tour together. And in fact, there's an, a Zoom interview with the two of them together doing an interview 
in the LA Times today. But I'm going to take credit for that shit because I told Katzis months ago that Alanis and Liz Fair and Shirley Manson, who are three of my favorite interviews in the world, needed to do a roundtable discussion for the show. And who the fuck wouldn't want to watch that before the music? So why couldn't you have that? Why couldn't you have, you know, you and Taylor and Tom and Chuck D and, you know, like doing a roundtable? Tommy Lee, man. <laughs> I love Tommy. Tommy and I get I along. Love Tommy. Tommy and I get along great, dude. He's I, I we just did a really long force piece. That was a blast, man. He's he's so much fun. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, because you and I are friends. It was so funny. The very first time I interviewed him, I fucking hated him. He was still drinking his ass off. It was at a rolling it was it was at the Palladium when they announced the return of Motley Crue, and he was shit-faced. And I asked him how it felt being there and doing this big announcement. And he's like, dude, he's like, he actually said to Rolling Stone, he's like, I think I just shit my pants, you know? But he was wasted. And I was like, oh my God, I can't with this guy. And he's ended up being one of my favorite interviews in music. And we have the best time every talk we talk now. You know, he has a, a great spirit. That's the way I like this. Oh no, dude, he's awesome. And, and actually, we've even done stories together for Rolling Stone on Animal Rescue. A huge fan. So that would be a lot of fun to see. And that's one of the things that you work well in is that, you know, you fit in these circles where you can talk politics with Morello. Not that Tom can't talk other stuff as well. You know, talk the stuff with Tom. But we're going to, because it's so funny, because I was telling Michael and Rob, you and I never have short conversations. So for the sake of transcribing time, I'm going to try okay. and keep it. So, so give me, now that we've touched on porno, and again, I can't legally talk about Jane's because I'll get yeah. shot. You know, give me, give me your, you know, looking at this dream lineup, which really is, the only bummer for me as a fan is that it doesn't go back to Lala in the 90s because, God damn it, I want to see Nine Inch Nails on there and some of those other, you know, the Pumpkins and some of those other sets. But, you know, taking from the last however many years, give me those three or four or five that just as a fan, you are most excited to read. Because of course, by the way, too, when you're at Lala, a lot of times you're busy. You don't have time to actually check out the music. So now, presumably, you have time to watch McCartney and Pearl Jam and Metallica and Alice in Wonderland, who I love doing a live set, you know, and Tommy Lee and all this stuff. So, so what are your ones just as a fan that you're excited to get to check out? Ford B, Alice in Wonderland, Cypress Hill. It's nice. always incredible. Yeah. Lupe Fiasco. King Sweats. Swing back up here. Is that good? I mean, that's... Future! Future! There's so many. I love the mix of stuff as well. Which one? I'm sorry? <laughs> Both of them. They're great. Nice. Yeah, this is a great mix of oh, stuff. Oh, shit. I, I, I didn't even see all this. No, seriously. Outcast. That's going to be fucking killer. Um, Jack. Black. Okay. What goes with Coke? Tell me something that goes with Coke. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> Good. Nice. Sorry about that. Sorry about That's that. all right. You know, I mean, Jonas Blue, like, I, I really love the mix of stuff as well. And, and so, you know, talk about what, as you look through this and put this together, too. You know, one of the cool things is, too, as well, is, right, you know, like, talk about how you can envision a lineup like this building in on Lala's in the future. I mean, you know, because I imagine you're already well thinking into 2021 and, you know, fingers crossed, you'll be able to tour again. And it's like, so 
I, I honestly, dude, I've lost track because there are so many. But how many Lalas are there right now? There's how many were there scheduled to be in 2020? How many were there scheduled to be? Yeah, because yeah. I know that uh, there's the Argentina. I know there was a New Europe one. I mean, there's or there's yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, the New Europe one. Yes, of course. So I think we were up to six. Okay. When, uh, seven. I'm sorry, seven. So we were up to seven, and um, and then COVID. But but guess what? Now I guess we're worldwide everywhere. <laughs> well, you know what's right? funny about that? In all seriousness, though, I was talking with Gavin oh, Rossdale. What, what I mean by that is this one. This this one here is going to every country, to every community, and so in a strange way, it's got. A, a larger reach, but it will never replace the experience. Exactly. But what I was going to say is it's funny because I was talking with Gavin Rossdale, who's a friend, and he brought up a really interesting point I hadn't thought about, but he was saying, you know, he's like, back in the day when you actually sold albums, and he was talking about when, you know, Bush sold five million albums, he's like, there was this idea, you know, when a record came out, you couldn't play to all those people. You couldn't be everywhere, certainly right when the record came out. You know, so it, it is kind of different how nowadays, you know, you have artists who can basically like, again, so you have on record release day, you just put out, you know, a show that goes to the entire world at once. So there are aspects of it that I think will be maintained, you know, going forward in the industry. Wait, I, I, I'm sorry, you cut off question, please ask. Again. Well, what I was saying is that it's interesting. I mean, so I kind of phrased it as more of a statement, but, you know, just bringing up Gavin's point about the fact that, you know, back in the day, right, when, you know, in the 90s, when bands actually sold albums, when, you know, everything wasn't done via streaming, and he was talking about, you know, when Bush would put out an album and would sell 5 million copies, you know, you could only play in one city on record release day, you know, now... On record right. release day, you do a live stream that goes to the world. So, given the fact that, as you say, Lala, which is already was going to have seven this year, is now being streamed to everyone in the world who wants to watch it, do you see yeah. aspects of these live streams that will continue to be part of Lala and everything going forward? Well, I think we're onto something, that's for sure. I think that we've never been this... Um, focused on what I believe is our purpose in life, and that is to uh, ensure that music, beautiful music, beautiful messages, beautiful messengers have a platform. That's, uh, it's, our ch it's our chance to make uh, heal the world. Yeah. All right. So interesting. Um, for you. Okay. By the way, so, so the Lala's 2021, I mean, as of now, are you thinking about those going forward and which were the seven that were supposed to happen this year? I'm just curious. Cause I lost track. Oh gosh. Now you're going to make me think when I just smoked some good weed, but here we go. Chicago. Uh-huh. Delay. Argentina, Sao Paulo, and then uh, Sweden, and then Paris, and then Berlin. All right, cool. Well, hopefully, you know, 
who the hell knows what's going to happen with this and when we'll be able to have live music again. But, you know, at least every one of these countries are going to get to watch this this year. So, yeah, you know, as much as I would love to, and I'm practically dying to, um, I want to make sure that I'm on the right side of history. And maybe this is a moment when the universe is saying, slow down, stop, and um, get your wits about you, get your wits together, get your constitution up your spine, think, 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 and think again with your heart. And there you go, Steve. <laughs> All right. Give me, give me your three like protests. Like, what's what's your what's your first protest song of choice? That one song that right. you know. I'm gonna I'm gonna go all over the place, but I'm gonna take this in some fun places. You ready? Yeah. Okay. So you know I've got a song, pirate punk politician. Yeah. I came out on the uh, Kind Heaven Orchestra record. Mm-hmm. That song. Well, I wrote that song about the Antichrist. Okay. All right. Now, um, Public Enemy has just dropped a brand new track, but it is incredible. And it's called State of the Union. Have you heard it? Yes, I have. Well, wait. So basically what we do with this, just so you know, I'm going to go back to, to pirate punk politician for a second because it's funny because obviously, you know, for full disclosure, I wrote the bio for Kind Heaven. So you and I have talked about that song oh, at great length. Right. But but what's interesting right. is it's funny for, you know, one of the things I appreciate, right? We talked about this at the time. You weren't really sure how people would respond. And in a way, you kind of presage the fact that, you know, in 2020, what's been one of the interesting things is to see that, and, and this has come up a lot in doing the show, dude, there's no more, there's no such thing anymore as staying neutral. There is no such thing for musicians to be, you know, Switzerland anymore when it comes to speaking out, you know? And, and again, I use the example, it's come up a million times, but it always is relevant, is who the fuck would have ever imagined that maybe the biggest advocate for activism in 2020 would be Taylor Swift? And she's been amazing, you know? Yeah. That's, that's what's happened in this time. So in a way, you kind of... You've kind of presaged things with pirate punk politician. What was the response and what was it that made you for the first time write a protest song? Because like you said, you haven't really written a quote unquote, you know, songs have politics in them or social justice, but you had never written a protest song. Right. Well, um, it was what's in my head and it just poured out. I worked with uh, Bloody Beat Roots and Tommy Lee on that track. <laughs> is that cool? It is cool. <laughs> and it's funny, because we were talking about Tommy, I did forget that for a second, honestly. So I forgot that yeah. he was on the track. Yeah, how cool is that? So, but anyway, what I'm saying, when I say I wrote it about the Antichrist was, I, ha I was writing about the Antichrist. Now, I don't know who it is, but... If I were to write, or you were to write about the Antichrist, it would sound like that. So that's what that song is all about. And the other, the next song I want to talk about is uh, Public Enemy's new track, State of the Union. Because it's all about it. And 
Flavor Flav is back. And his part is hilarious and also <laughs> fucking totally stinging. It's awesome. Um, I was I was talking with Chuck. I don't know if I told you that. No. On this over this um, broadcast, I got a, a great conversation with him, and he likes to paint while he talks. I didn't know that about him. That he was such a good artist. So he was just drawing and painting, and we we're just shooting the breeze about uh, being born in Queens. We were both born in Queens. So his perspective of life maybe is a little like mine in the way that, you know, we grew up in a melting pot. So really not a lot of time for hatred because, <laughs> man, you're going to hate it. You're, just, you're being woven into this fabric that is like a, um, there's an expression for it. Um, oh, God, the sweaters. Oh, the, the, the sweaters that... Um, Biggie used to wear kooky sweaters. Okay. You know kooky sweater is? No. Okay, look it up. Kooky sweaters. They're going to be popular, man. Again. If, if you see, like, Biggie wore kooky sweaters. So, sweater makers got so good at making sweaters that these are, like, these gnarly little parts of the sweater. And, like, masterful weaving. Anyway, that's what living in Queens is like and was like it's like a kooky sweater where the fabric is just being woven and it's gnarly but it's beautiful and I think it made Chuck and I uh, the people you know it really contributed to the way that Chuck and I grew up and, and our morals and yeah our morality and uh, how we see life and it's, it's interesting because there's good leaders out there. When I call Chuck a leader, he's a natural leader. He's not trying to be a leader. Uh, he's just living his life and saying and uh, saying what you want. And but what he has to say is really amazing. His circle of influence is is fierce and it's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I think that's one of the things that's interesting is you look at, you know, during all the, you know, unrest that was happening, you know, after George Floyd at the beginning and everything, you know, in Atlanta, Killer Mike came out and gave that amazing speech. And there's a lot of musicians who are great leaders and who have, you know, that ability and who, you know, I, I mean, Morello is a good example. Yeah, just, I'm going on to him right now. Bulls on parade. Nice. I like that one too because, you know. A lot of people have said killing in the name, but no one said Bulls on Parade. Bulls on Parade, for me, you're talking protest song. Uh, that, unfortunately, that's a, that's, a, that's a bad vision. That's a bad vision, but you know what? Truthful vision. So maybe we can break that up with love and kindness and understanding and art. And music. Interesting. So do you remember the first time you heard that song? 
Because Morello and I have talked so many times over the years about, you know, his fandom of Jane's and sneaking into that show when he first moved to L.A. and all that. So I'd be curious to get your thoughts on when you first heard them. I first heard them uh, at the Club Lingerie. At, um, they were opening for Ice-T. <laughs> nice. How cool is that? So, yeah. You know, Ice-T and I are friends. I was invited to go and see him there. And I didn't even know that um, Rage Against the Machine, I didn't know who they were. They were just right there before Ice. And so afterwards, I liked them so much, and I, I thought, uh, we, uh, Porno for Pirates had a show coming up at Lake Castaic. It was put together by Golden Voice, you know. Back in those days, Golden Voice was just, you know, we made a mission together to find weird, interesting places to play, and then do it. And so I had this show coming up with them with Porno. I saw... Um, Rage, and then I, I spoke with them and talked to them, and you know, Tom and I go so far back when he was in Brian Grillo's band. He was in a band with the guy who was a, uh, the lead was an out, um, he was an out punk that was an underground. He was a really good entertainer, Brian Grillo. And, um, Tom was the guitar player. One time, that group actually opened for Jane's Addiction, and they pretended they came out because it was Halloween. They came out dressed like Jane mm -hmm. to, fuck with to fuck with people. And then by the time people, they just didn't understand what was going on because it's Halloween, so how do they know that the, the guy's now not black? You know, Dave and Laura, how do we know that Dave isn't just trying to be more black? And so they were looking at him, but they were dressed as us, like somebody, their lead guy, had dreadlocks, and then um, Tom had dreadlocks like Dave. <laughs> is, that a funny, is that a funny notion? But um, anyway, so Tom, I, I called Tom. You know, COVID right now, um, his mom is like 95 years old. And then her friend, who is the wife of Tom, um, Denise, her mom is 94. So those guys are right now guarding their parents with their life. But Tom still contributed something. I don't know what it is yet, but I said it could be just you with a guitar. And that's what I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that, that performance for sure. Nice. I love your list. Any more protest songs? I asked for three, but these yep, are soon. Yep. Okay, so now, yep. to finish it off, I mean, look, I could, I could throw in Porno for Pyros because that was, you know, just when everything was going off in 92. And it's a little bit mischievous, but they're all mischievous, aren't they? So anyway, then I want to go to the classics, you know, Woody Guthrie. This land is your land. I think that is a good... I think what should happen is whoever wants to sing the national anthem should come up and sing. If you select them, 
let's hear a song. You know, we're all there. We are all American. We could say peace to America. We love you. Or we could sing a song like this land is your land. You know, there's a lot of ways you can do it. I agree. And be creative. I think it's fine. What you're after it with this national anthem thing. Um, all right, have a national anthem. Make it Woody Guthrie's for a moment. Make it Marvin Gaye, what's going on? Like, that would be cool. If Batsy sang, what's going on? Wait, if who sang it? Who, who would be your dream person to sing? That's an interesting question because, I mean, you know, unfortunately, Marvin, who probably did the greatest Star Spangled Banner ever, you know, yeah, at the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, he's not here. So who would be your person to do what's going on? Is there one, if there, if there was one person on the Lala Bill this weekend that you would want to do it, who would it be? Well, um, I would go for this. Uh, there's a gal... Her, the, the gal that we just met, who is Michael Jackson, she wrote The Man in the Mirror and Saida Saida Garrett is her name. S-I-E-D-A-H-G-A-R-R-E-T-T. So Saida sang along with Michael Jackson on um, Oh, no, no, I just can't stop loving you. She has a beautiful voice. She's the co-singer on that part. And I love that. I love that song. And uh, she also wrote Man in the Mirror. But anyway, she's got an incredible voice. She does a performance just with a, an acoustic guitar. Really moving performance. And she's got, she's got the voice to do what's going on. And I'd like to join her on it. Nice. All right. What, what other classic songs do you want to put up there? Classic songs, let's go. I'm thinking Bob Marley right away. Get up, stand up. Oh, yeah. Stand up for your right. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. I, you know, it's funny. In, in doing, I've done about 17 or 18 of these episodes now. And Bob Marley, surprisingly to me, because I would have thought it would have been Dylan, but Bob Marley is the artist who's come up the most. And you know who's come up second most? Has been Nina Simone. Neil Young? No, Nina Simone. Oh, Nina Simone. Yeah. You know what? Interestingly enough, um, Saida kind of lived by the creed of Nina Simone. She actually recited a little poetry from Nina Simone. That's awesome. Isn't that interesting? It, it's funny because I think that, in fact, I'm going to turn this into an article at some point when I actually have the fucking time. But, I mean, I love the fact that you have such a new generation of artists who have made, you know, Nina Simone kind of the new standard for the protest song. That's unbelievable. It, you know, and it's amazing because for so long it was the idea of, I think, you know, and not that it's not still oh. Dylan in the 60s, but I love the fact that it's now Nina Simone. You know who I also love? Who's that? Mavis Staples. Yeah. Johnny Cash. Shepard picked Johnny Cash, Man in Black. Yeah, I mean, that guy, talk about prison reform, he knew what to do. So is there one Johnny Cash song that for you stands out? For him? About him? No, but one Johnny Cash song. Like, one, yeah. what's, what's oh, your... Yeah, well... You know, it, it's more it's more the fact that he went and performed in prison. 
So just the fact he did that, that whole set, just watching that whole thing go down was, was and is amazing. Per- personally, on a lighter note, what I enjoy doing is performing June and Johnny's, ver- um, when the, uh, we do, Etienne and I do an, um, a, a um, cover of Jackson. Okay. I, I really love that song because I don't know why, man. I, uh, you know, this country, there is a piece of this country that's in my heart. And, man, music. They, if they're great musicians and their, and their spirit and their message is a beautiful and true message, I'm with them. I yeah. love to hear it. I just love to hear it. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about one of the great artists of all time, you know? Yep. Yeah. And not only one of the great artists, but just one of the great sort of icons. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else? Or you want to add one more? Or you want to wrap up on Johnny? No, well, I think that that's perfect. I think that's... I mean, we could we could have gone in... No, that's, that's a good list. And I mean, so now my next obvious question before I let you go, what is going to be, and by the way, I love the fact that your dogs are barking because my dog barks every fucking interview. So the fact that your dog is barking, I love for once it's, you know, because Chalk barks every interview. So what for you though, like, or, or what, when will people be able to publicly sing you and Etty sing Jackson? Um, you'll be able to see it on there. Really? Yeah, we're playing with Taylor Hawkins, and Nick Mayberry from the Kind of the Orchestra plays just acoustic. And we do it just with Taylor on a, a simple, just a simple, it's like a box that is a drum. Um, I, I forget the word, the name. What's it called? A, a cajon. But he's on a cajon, just porch style, as we call it, or, or island style. And that's and I do it. Nice. Yeah. Uh- yeah, and you know what? We became friends with uh, the Carter Cash family. And, um, you, you know, I didn't know so much about John Carter Cash and uh, all the production that he's done, all the people that he's produced. Um, did, you, did you know that about him? Like, he had a lot, he had a lot to do with his dad recording her one of those uh, recordings for American records that he did, but... Yeah. He's done, he's done a lot of production. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I got to interview him, maybe... Loretta Lynn, Elvis Costello, George Jones. I mean, wow! Yeah. Emmy Lou Harris, Willie Nelson, he's recorded all these people. Vince Gill. Is that insane? That is, it's, yeah. Friends um, with the family, and uh, um, he, is, he and his wife, Anna Christina, are going to do a song for us, a new song. I don't know what it is again, but I'm looking forward to it. We are, we're editing Fast and Furious. People are dropping like flies. No, they're actually hanging around till like 2, 3 in the morning. <laughs> but people are tired right now but it's going to be great yeah they're going to oh yeah they're going to do keep on the sunny side 
which is a Carter family song. You ever heard it? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. No, dude, this is this is an awesome, you know, because I mean, the thing is, right, it's a weird thing where it's like, you know, if you're going to try and do these, you either have to do them in a way that they really stand out or it's probably better not to do it. But what you did with Lala is put together a lineup so amazing and to turn it into an actual event. Well, I felt like, you know, you're either going to do something about it or sit there and there's not an option. So what can we do? And that's, uh, that's how it started. That's the instinct. It was self-preservation, and then it became creative, and then it became joyful. All right, cool. Anything you want to add we didn't touch upon? No, I'm good. How are you, Steve? Dude, I'm doing good. Like I said, I mean, you know, I, I'm always able to find ways to to keep things interesting and fun. And I mean, this new podcast, I mean, it's so much fun for me because look, this is just everything I do, as you know, it starts out from me just geeking out on music. These are just the things that being a music geek, I think about what's my favorite protest song, you know? And so then I was like, you know, I mean, I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to think about, you know. Like, why not turn this into, what happened was honestly between us, American songwriter approached me and they wanted to bring over my turning point. And I was like, well, but I've already done that for a year and it was going well, but I wanted to do something different. So now I'm actually doing two podcasts at once, you know, which is fun and still writing for Forbes and still doing all this stuff. And, but like I say, man, my quality of life is so much, but you know, I put up a basketball hoop in the backyard. I'm looking forward to the Clippers winning their first championship this year. I know you think differently, but you know, my fingers are still crossed and yeah, things are, you know, again. And I mean, I also am grateful and appreciative of the fact that I've been able to give back so much during this time, because dude, like I say, if you know, there are so many people struggling, if you've been able to work, which I've been lucky that I have, you know, then I feel like you have a responsibility to give back. Yeah, you know what? For me, uh, I hit this age where I'm not as selfish. <laughs> you know, I, I, look, I, I blinked. I blinked and I looked around like, like Stephen Stills, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Stop. Children, look back down. Everyone on the going around. I got some funny ones. These will be B-sides. You know, the list has gone on too long. I think we perfectly ended it where we did, but, but Steve, between you and me. Quicksilver Messenger Service. Right. They were political. Way back there, they were talking about the environment. You know, the effects of pesticides, man, has decreased. The sperm count in the average male around the world by almost 40%. The sperm count has gone down. That's sick. That's ill. That's bad news, man. Well, you know, what's interesting is, you know, it's funny because I was talking with, you know, one of the first guests to do this show, and I know you're a big fan. One of the first interviews I did for the show was Densmore. And we talked about, you know, doing a song like when the, you know, when the music's over, you know, back in the 60s and, and you know, how ahead of its time that was as a protest song. Wow. Just, I mean, from the environmental oh. standpoint, strictly, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you think about the doors, right off the top of my head, I'm thinking about Jim Morrison screaming, I'm going to get out of here before the whole shit house burns down. <laughs> yeah. 
But dude, it's all good. Well, like you say, it's funny. I mean, we'll, you know, we can keep doing these and we'll, you know, the thing is we talk regularly, we'll keep up. And I'm gonna ask you one favor because I, I have a, a very good friend now in Argentina who who is, you know, going to be very excited to come to Lala when Argentina, you know, when Lala Argentina comes back, whenever that is. So if you could say hi to my friend Ariana and say just, you know, I'll see you at Lala Argentina. Okay. Ariana, hello, my friend. I will see you in Argentina at Lollapalooza. Yeah, I might even come out to that one for the first time. I don't know. But dude, that what would a- be great. I'd love to see you out there with her. Yeah, what a pleasure. And, and yeah, we'll, you know, We'll, we'll stay in touch for sure. And, and, you know, I'm glad we were able to do this one for this weekend. And, yeah. Thank you, Steve. Always a pleasure, dude. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. See ya. Hey, this is Steve Walton. You've been here for People Have the Power with special guest Perry Farrell. Thanks. Thanks.